Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 and 13. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. Last spring, Mike drew on this text in one of his messages, though he did not pursue the line of interpretation that we hear most commonly. He noted that we tend to envision ourselves in this story as inhabiting the role of the lost sheep. But the reality is quite different. I went back and listened to Mike's message on the SoundCloud, and here's one of the things he said. If we listen to this parable as a community, we are going to be part of the flock that is left behind 99% of the time. If we are counted among the 99, then it is our job to take care of each other. While the shepherd is out beating the bushes, It is our job to take care of each other. While the shepherd is off spelunking in dark places for lost and wayward sheep, those of us who remain have each other. It's our job to take care of each other. Being in community has power to heal. This made a really strong impression on me at the time, as the importance and power of community is one of the themes that has recurred most frequently during my time in seminary. But my academic study of faith communities would be sterile were it not for the vibrant example of the community I inhabit here with you. However imperfectly, we accept the responsibility to take care of each other and we care for each other. However imperfectly, we recognize the power of community to heal, and we heal each other. Our released ministers are wonderful shepherds, but as Quakers, we embrace that the work of caring and healing each other in community belongs to each of us. It's our job. Mike's message took on new meaning for me last fall when the elders asked if I would clerk our efforts to give Mike a sabbatical from West Hills in the summer of 2018. Perhaps they thought someone who has been on his own midlife sabbatical might have a special appreciation for Mike's desire to have the same. 
and I certainly do. Mike has not had a sabbatical since West Hills Friends first gathered for worship in 1989. That's 27 years and counting, I wrote yesterday. Mike pointed out this morning, it's 28 years exactly today. So happy birthday to West Hills. And Mike prepped for that for a year, so it's 29 years for Mike. It's time, friends. It's more than time. Mike's situation is real different from mine, though. Mike is not seeking to leave his flock. He is and wants to remain our senior shepherd, and we want that, too. He's just looking to spend some time away from the flock, to go out beating the bushes or spelunking in dark places or whatever else might bring him rest, pilgrimage, connection, and reflection. Moreover, Mike is not just our senior shepherd, but also an integral part of our community. So when we accept the responsibility to take care of each other, Mike is very much included in each other. So friends, we, the 99, have some work to do. And each of you has a role to play. There are more both practical and spiritual dimensions to this. Several years ago, when I was an elder, we developed a pastoral covenant between Mike and West Hills that describes in some detail the commitments we make to each other. In some ways, it's the, secular, it's the pastoral equivalent of a job description. But in reality, it falls far short of that. The fact is, Mike does an astounding number of things around here, some of which are evident, but a great many are not. Just think of the number of times you have asked yourself, I wonder who, or I wonder how, and then said, I have no idea, I'll just go ask Mike. <laughs> well, in order for Mike to feel fully released to go off beating the bushes, we, the 99, need to equip ourselves to handle these questions without Mike. Mike has begun his part by building a thoughtful and ever-growing list of things he does. But we will need to organize ourselves to cover all these and to make sure we all know where to go with our questions. As we all know, though, the most important work Mike does isn't replacing the toner cartridge in the copier, however essential that might be. Mike offers us spiritual insight and wisdom, whether through his messages or over endless cups of coffee. Mike models leadership and invites us into leadership in big ways and small. Mike thinks about our church strategically and as a system how we function as a community among ourselves, within the broader Quaker world, and within our local and global communities. Mike listens sensitively in all of these places. He makes connections most of us never see, and he engages proactively to highlight opportunities 
or diffuse misunderstandings. These things are much harder to put on a checklist and assign to a volunteer. But they're equally or more essential. We will all need to contribute to this work as well. I know this all sounds daunting, but we have many reasons to believe we can do this, not the least of which is that we already are doing this in many ways. It has been years, had been years since we've had organized discussion groups. But Alice and others stepped up to this need and behold, we just launched six new groups. When we first began forming spiritual care committees, it was hard to imagine one without Mike as convener. Yet now we have many committees doing important work of discernment and healing and Mike is not present. Just look around this room, and I mean it now, and note how many people you look to as valuable resources in your own life and for whom you are a valuable resource. These and many other examples like it convince me that we can do this and that we will all grow as individuals and as a community by doing so. As I've reflected on this challenge, I've begun to see other ways in which this can help us grow as a meeting. For one thing, it can bring us closer to our Quaker roots. I've discussed our meeting with many others at seminary who come from a broad spectrum of Quakerism as well as other Protestant and Universalist traditions. In doing so, I've only grown stronger in my belief in the idea of a community where all are ministers, but where we choose to release, pay if you will, some ministers to serve specific needs. As Mike and I discussed this, we noted that West Hills was planted 28 years ago in a more classical Protestant model common among Northwest Yearly Meeting, where Mike and Erica did just about everything that wasn't assigned to somebody else. As we've grown and as the spiritual gifts of others in this community have grown, we've begun to function more in keeping with the traditional Quaker vision of ministry for all, and where Mike and Mark can truly function as released ministers and not hireling pastors, as George Fox once called them. I think we're better off for this, and I would love to see this trend continue. For example, when we called Mark to service in 2010, we stepped outside of the traditional youth pastor role and instead asked ourselves, what are the needs of our community? that we want to give special attention to beyond those that Mike or any of us can handle in our roles. Because we asked this open question and we were blessed to attract someone as gifted as Mark, we now have a full-time released pastor with a concern for children, youth, and young adults. So much more than a youth pastor. I envision a life-giving opportunity to do something similar in our relationship with Mike. In our discussions, 
I share with Mike my theory of leadership development through parental leave. In my career, I've been blessed to supervise numerous highly capable managers who decided to start families and step away from work for a few months when their children were born. Like Mike, these people had complex responsibilities that needed to be thoughtfully reassigned in advance of their time away. The opportunity for growth comes when one realizes that there's no reason to mindlessly return to the status quo once the leave is over. Oftentimes, a specific responsibility has not only been well handled during the absence, but is life-giving to another member of the community who assumed it. Why not leave it there? Especially if it's not especially life-giving to the one who went on leave. And with the capacity freed up through such reassignments, what new opportunities might the one on leave pursue upon return? Ones that could be life-giving to both the individual and the community. Mike is excited to contemplate the possibilities that this framework presents, and so am I. So here is the first of many places where you can contribute to the work of community building. As part of Mike's sabbatical process, several of us are working with Mike to apply to the Lilly Foundation for a grant for clergy renewal. We learned about this program last year, very shortly before the application deadline, and despite heroic efforts to pull together and submit a proposal, we were not awarded a grant. Though we were encouraged to reapply. One part of the proposal we would like to strengthen where we simply did not have the time to do as much work as we would have liked, is in the area of congregational input. Questions like, what do we see as the compelling rationale for the sabbatical? In what tangible ways will we support Mike's sabbatical beyond simply giving him time off? In what ways do we see the congregation benefiting from Mike having the opportunity for rest and renewal? I've hinted in this message at a few ideas that rise for me, but I'm only one of the 99. So we will be holding a time of gathering after worship next Sunday where we can discuss this and gather ideas from as many of you as can attend. The elders and I also hope to solicit and gather input from many more of you so that we can speak with a clear and compelling voice to the Lilly Foundation about what this means to us as a congregation. However, the opportunity to reflect as a community on a sabbatical for Mike is about so much more than just a grant proposal. It's about how we care for each other as a community and especially how we care for our beloved Mike and Erica. It's also about how we continue to grow our vision for ourselves as a community and how we begin to live into that vision. Please join this conversation in whatever capacity you can muster. I do have a few queries, I'll say that, that um, Mark is going to lead our youth out after this, and they can uh, contemplate these theory, uh, queries uh, separately, but 
for all of us. Please listen. How do I understand my place in this community? Do I see myself as one of the 99? One who can contribute to keeping the flock safe and healthy while the shepherd is away? What are the needs that I look to Mike and Erica to fill for me? How might I envision those needs being met by other members of the community? What gifts can I offer to this community that might help Mike or Erica feel more fully released on sabbatical? What is my capacity and willingness to make these gifts available? 